So it could, we could, uh, it could be a, a fun fact that we're starting with, Michelle. You, you, you were just saying the green room as, as we sort of started to turn this on. You worked for the mayor. Yes, I used to work for the mayor of Washington D.C. when I was the chancellor there. He had mayoral control of the schools. So Adrian Fenty was the mayor who hired me. Oh, that's so interesting! Yes. Wow. Do you do you have any fun stories you want? We're, of course, we're not live. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But do you have any fun fun stories we want to know? Um, so Adrian Fenty was. We are live, by the way. Just I was winking and nudging. Just FYI. <laughs> So Adrian Fenty was one of these politicians who like wasn't wasn't really meant to be a politician, right? He when he won the election, um, it was like this huge surprise to the city because he was uh, didn't get any um, endorsements, didn't raise that sort of thing. And so one of the first things that he did when he came into office was he got rid of like the mayoral motorcade, right, and the the big SUVs with the blacked out windows and whatnot. And he moved to just driving himself around in a little smart car. Um, Cause he's like, I don't want to waste taxpayer dollars on this stuff. I don't need that. And so, you know, every press conference that we'd be at, he'd sort of like zip in and his little, <laughs> like the, these smart cars are like smaller than golf carts, you know, and it was always hilarious. Oh my God. You could just drive right up to the podium. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, I would not make a good mayoral candidate because I I would get one of those stretch Humvees to, to keep me safe. It would have to, to keep me safe. <laughs> Jerry, with that, what would you do? Would you would you increase your motorcade, decrease it? Just use a Oh no, I would yeah, I'd be on a scooter or something. I mean, you know, it just wouldn't it I I, I that's why I like that mayor. That's exactly what I would have to do because you can't take yourself very seriously. If you're trying to be involved in politics, I mean, you just can't. Yeah. Almost any of those. I've been on, you know, boards in my college, for example, with the same kind of thing. Like, why am I here? This is silly. You know, these are silly decisions we're making up here. Somebody get some serious people in. Well, the mayor was all about efficiency and effectiveness. And so for him, you know, getting rid of the pomp and circumstance and just driving around in a smart car was like on brand for him. That's pretty funny. I yeah. think that's fabulous. All right. Well, we don't have smart cars or stretch limos or a scooter. Although, Jerry, I do think if you were going to take a scooter, I imagine you'd have to get one of those things attached to your, all your hats so they wouldn't yes, fly off. The, would. Yeah. The, little, the little zip. All right. Well, uh, we do actually have some stuff to talk about today. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Are you ready to get going? Yep, absolutely. All right. Here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Good morning, good afternoon, hello, and how are you? Uh, I am Chris Hoyt. I am your host for the next 20 minutes of this chat. Uh, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about recruiting stuff. This is the Recruiting Community uh, Podcast. We're excited to do this. Uh, we try to do them weekly. It's typically a live stream. Uh, you can find it on the Facebook uh, or the Twitter or the YouTube uh, or the LinkedIn. I think we might be on a couple of other platforms, but if you happen to be on a platform that's got a chat window in it, 
I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and use that. You can use that to chime in. You can ask questions. You can just say hello. We'll put you up on the screen, make you famous or, or infamous, depending on, on your chat comment. Uh, but we'll get that added in there and you can be part of that. Great way to network too. Throw your LinkedIn profile in there if you want to make sure you say hello to everybody. Uh, I am joined today. He is dialed in from his new remote garage. Mr. Crispin, my soulmate, how are you? You might be muted. Maybe. Is it just me? Am I the only one that can't hear Jerry? Oh, you can hear me now. There, there he is. Now I can hear you. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a note saying, I see Jerry on a trike. And, and there is a story, we're not going to tell it now, that um, would support that 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 need. But on a trike. A, on a trike. On a trike. Hmm. And we can't fall over on a trike. No, no. <laughs> you didn't even have a tri trike at the burn. <laughs> no, and that was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's vision. There's vision there. All right. Uh, are we ready? We got a fun topic today, and we we have not addressed this today. I think um, it's it is an interesting piece about apprenticeships. And with us, we have Michelle. Actually, I'm going to bring her in right there from the green room. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Michelle, you're you're obviously you're with Build Within, uh, but I want to I want to give you a, just a chance to kind of introduce yourself, do a little bit of an escalator pitch, and tell us who you are and what what do you do with or at Build Within. Sure. Um, so Michelle Ree, I uh, spent most of my career actually in K-12 education, um, was the chancellor of the Washington, D.C. public school district for about three and a half years before that ran an organization called the New Teacher Project. Um, when I left uh, education, actually my co-founder, Jimena Hartzok and I um, used to be educators together, um, she went off and started a tech company. <clears throat> When she was running that company, um, she would call me all the time and say, you know what, Michelle, what we were doing in public education was so the right thing because now I'm on the other side of the equation. I'm an employer and I can't find the skilled workforce that I need to run this company effectively. Um, and so after uh, looking into the situation and trying to figure out like what issue was, she realized that a lot of her hiring managers and people in her HR department were really focused on just um, looking at people who had four-year degrees in computer science and three or five years of experience um, to even be considered for a job. And uh, Jimena said, look, um, first of all, there are not enough people who have those qualifications in the world um, for all the positions that are open. But furthermore, um, we have a lot of uh, positions in this company where if you have a great work ethic and transferable skills, we can turn you into a fantastic customer success manager or QA developer. And so um, to address that, they started a tech apprenticeship program, um, ran it incredibly successfully. Um, so when they had an exit from that company, she said, I have my idea for my next company. She said, I want to build a software platform that makes it easier for employers to start and manage apprenticeship programs. And so that was the start of Build Within, and that's what we do. It's super interesting to me, but can you, can you, and we'll, I think we can get into it here in a little bit, but can you kind of briefly explain what an apprenticeship is for any of our listeners, uh, recruiting folks who, who might not actually be familiar with that term? Because I know we talk about intern, internships a lot. We talk about, you know, these different shadow programs, all these things, but we don't, we don't seem to talk a lot about apprenticeships. So can you kind of, can you kind of explain that? Sure. Uh, when Jimena first brought up the notion of apprenticeships to me, the only thing that I could think of was 
blacksmiths and glass blowers in the days of yore, right? Where the master artisan is work at and you're, you know, at work and the apprentice is looking over their shoulder. Um, but the apprenticeship model is actually one in which the person comes in, um, they are paid a full salary and for full benefits. But the idea is that they are learning on the job, learning a new um, career on the job. And um, the reason why it's uh, such a, a compelling model is because we have 11 million jobs in this country every year that go unfilled, and yet we have 10 and a half million un unemployed people. Many of them move into those jobs, but oftentimes they feel like they don't have the knowledge or the resources to do that, right? So when people look at a job in technology and they've never they've never done that before, they think, oh, I got to go back to, you know, get a four-year degree or a two-year master's, or at the very least, I got to attend a three to four-month boot camp, right? And the, and the reality is that most jobs can't have a gap in income. I have tomorrow. Um, I can't afford to go back to school for any period of time. And uh, the apprenticeship model allows people to move into new sectors, industries, or careers and do that sort of seamlessly without, without an income gap, um, but where there is a very clear and structured way to move into a new job. So, so it's interesting to me. I mean, can you, I guess I'm wondering what challenges an, an apprentice right, would expect to face and, and maybe how best to prepare for that. Because you're right, when, when you said that originally, I think of an apprenticeship, I think a plumber. Right. Uh, I think, you know, a very, very skilled, very labor, like a labor intensive type of role, right? Very manual labor type of role. But, yeah. but it, it had not occurred to me uh, that, that these are, I guess, prevalent within, within corporate, right? In these white collar jobs. So, so what kind of challenges would an apprentice expect to face and, and how, how could they kind of prepare for those? Yeah. So um, in, in this country, um, apprenticeships have largely been contained to trades and construction. And construction. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. Most people think of the electricians, the plumbers, and um, those industries have utilized the apprenticeship model quite well. Um, what is interesting is that apprenticeships have expanded beyond those industries um, in America in the way that they have in European countries. So, for example, in Switzerland, 75% of the adult workforce actually comes through some kind of an apprenticeship program. Um, and, and it's interesting because, you know, there's widespread um, support for apprenticeships, like Republicans love them, Democrats love them, unions, corporations, everybody likes apprenticeships. So the question is, like, why haven't they expanded then beyond the trades and construction? And what we've found is it kind of comes down to two things. One is it is very difficult to get an apprenticeship program up and running. So most employers, like, you have to come up with the standards and the curricula and the work processes, and sometimes it can be very time consuming to do that. And most companies don't have the wherewithal, the resources to put towards that. And the second reason is that oftentimes you have pushback from line managers. So these are the people who are going to have to oversee the apprentice, right? Okay. They're like, ugh, I'm busy and you're going to saddle me with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and I got to teach them all that stuff. This sounds like more work for me. So no, thank you. Right. Um, so those are the sort of major kind of blockers on the employer side. I think from the apprentice side, um, oftentimes it can just be a daunting idea that I've never worked in 
advanced manufacturing or technology before and I'm going to come in and on day one be expected to do work, like that can be uh, incredibly um, intimidating for our apprentices, for sure. Sure. So it does sound like, so that is the argument made typically by hiring managers getting a new internship program. Right. It's just it's new labor. It's new management that I've that I've got to done and I, or that I've got to get done and then I've got to manage and then you're going to take them away. Right. So I guess my, my question is, how how do you get past that? Like, how are companies or organizations sort of benefiting from from offering those those apprenticeship programs versus, you know, hiring, you know, and doing another internship piece or something a little more traditional or that they're familiar with? Yeah. So a lot of people don't understand what the difference between an internship and apprenticeship are, right? Um, and so just to be clear about that, internships are typically for a set period of time, whether it's a summer or a semester, at most it's going to be a year, right? But the person is really sort of in observation mode, right? They're, 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 they're watching, they're learning, right? It's usually more about the experience that they are having. Um, the difference, and then, and then to your point, Chris, like they're in there for three months and then they're out. Um, the apprenticeship is a basically a way that that companies can bring new talent um, into their workforce and people who might not have all of the sort of knowledge and skills that they need, but they feel like this has, person has a lot of potential and it's a structured way to move them into that role. But the idea is that they're gonna spend a year in this apprenticeship learning on the job. Um, but the goal is to have them employed in that position with that employer in the long run. And one of the great things about apprenticeships um, and one of the reasons, the most compelling reasons for employers to utilize apprenticeship programs is that the best apprenticeship programs in this country have a five-year retention rate of 95%. So apprentices, yeah, they, they stay for the long haul. Um, they typically feel like, okay, this employer um, believed in me when nobody else would, they invested in my professional development, and so they're incredibly loyal. And is that across industries? Yes, that is across industries and, hmm. and sectors. Yeah. So what, you know, what, what occurs to me, Chris uh, and Michelle, is in recruiting, there is what looks like, but I'm, I'm sure is not, uh, an apprenticeship program where we're talking about kids who are coming out of college and take on the job of becoming a recruiter in a staffing agency. They are, they are taught and often by individuals over a period of time until they become perf performers, if you will. Um, and some obviously stay, but the turnover rate would be way high. And the abuse from a payment point of view, since it's almost always heavily commissionable rather than uh, a living wage of any kind, um, is a problem. And, and the, my point of that is there are so many people who could be great recruiters in a corporation who could, who could, if there were an apprentice program, a formal one that did the right thing with them, um, they could become great recruiters. There's just an opportunity there because we don't have education right. related professionally to right. recruiting. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, to your point, Jerry, a lot of roles just throw a huge number of people into the role and it's sort of sink or swim, like you're describing. Mm -hmm. um, but if you take the idea that you could take those exact same people 
and put them through an apprenticeship program where the idea is that over this 12 month period, there is very structured learning that they're receiving, right? Through what we call related technical instruction. And then um, you are applying what you learned on the job and you're being given constant feedback on, you know, what your strengths and, and, and challenges are, right? When you're doing that in a structured environment and the apprentice and the manager are both very clear on what the expectations are, then your likelihood of success is much greater of that, that person. And then the likelihood that they're going to be able to stay with the employer for the long term increases as well. So what, what would you do in, in the situation that somebody wanted to build an apprenticeship program, let's say for recruiting in their company, and they were willing to put resources against it, but some, somewhere in this, they've got to figure out what it is you need to learn right? in order to accomplish that. And I would, I would argue that there is no one place where that information resides. So it would be a lot of work to do that. It, it doesn't have to be, though. So um, one of the things that Build Within does as a company is we are an approved national program sponsor with the Department of Labor. We have 13 roles that are approved. And so basically the curriculum, the standards, the work processes for each of these roles is set out. Um, so if an employer wants to start a registered apprenticeship program, instead of going through the you know, year-long battle that it usually takes, they just sign up with us and they can have one um, within hours. The, uh, the positive, though, is that every company is a little different in terms of how they want to train their folks, what software they're using, et cetera. So you have the ability to modify and add things that are company-specific to the training as well. So most people think, okay, 80% of what a new salesperson needs, for example, is pretty standard. And there's that other 20% that's specific to the company. And our model lets them have both. So your model would allow you to build that with the employer, they adding some of the uniqueness there, but you doing the work or the heavy lifting, if you will, to look at generically, what does somebody need? That's exactly right. But I, but I feel like we're, <clears throat> we're talking around another piece of this too, because we are saying this is not an internship program. It differs than that. There's more structure here. But Michelle, we're, and we're talking about how it, how it differs and benefits maybe the company as a whole, uh, retention, et cetera, but, and how it, how it benefits the, the individual, right, uh, as they're coming in. But what we haven't mentioned yet, and maybe you can help us with, can you discuss how the, the hiring manager's job changes? Because now we've kind of put them in a, uh, we're kind of putting them in more of a, a much more formalized training yeah. role, aren't we? Like a, like a mentorship almost. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, that's what great managers are doing with new hires regardless, right? They, you've got a new person, you've got to figure out um, what do they know, what are they, what are, where are the holes, and how am I going to get them to be as productive as possible as soon as possible? And so we try to facilitate that um, actually through the platform because um, you actually have here are all the competencies that this person needs to be able to develop. Here's how I rate them. Um, we actually, when we onboard managers to our platform, we actually tell them, don't start with the apprentice, start with the work, right? Because that's what's hot top of mind to, to managers. Like, what do I have to do over the next two to eight weeks with my team? What are the priorities? How am I going to accomplish that? So we tell them to start there. And then based on that, what are the types of tasks that an apprentice could take on? Um, so if you're a sales uh, manager and you're like, hey, we've got a big pitch uh, in two weeks, I want the apprentice to take, uh, 
you know, a, a stab at the deck. Then they can look on the platform, pull down the lessons on what are the components of a compelling sales pitch and how do you create a PowerPoint presentation? You assign those to the um, to the apprentice. You'll get a notification when it's complete. And then, you know, you assign a task. Then when you get another notification when that's complete, and you'll be able to assess what they're what they're doing. So it 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 mirrors what would happen anyways in a good managerial relationship. It just provides more structure around it and more transparency um, for all of the parties involved. I love that. Well, it, 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 it's easy to see uh, that your organization is making apprenticeships easier to implement, more accessible. But uh, let me ask you a question before we wrap up. I mean, do you, do you see... Do you see any evolution in this space that's maybe surprising? I mean, particularly with with advancements in, in technology or how the work landscape. I mean, it's a, it's a roller coaster right now. Right now, for we're hiring, we're not hiring, we're freezing, we're speeding, we're slowing. We're like it's making people nuts. I mean, are you seeing some evolution in that spot that that hits uh, the entire concept of apprenticeships head on? I yes, I think that apprentice are a much more flexible way for employers to ensure that they can have the skilled workforce that they need because technologies are changing all of the time. You know, you've got some jobs that are going to be phased out over the time over time because there's new technology that's coming in. How are you going to sort of make sure that people can get reskilled and upskilled? And in an apprenticeship model, it's incredibly flexible. Um, it's, it, you know, you can do it over a short period of time. It doesn't require everyone going back to school for a new degree. Um, so I think that this model with its flexibility is uh, is much more aligned with kind of the, the rapidly changing and evolving uh, landscape and workforce. There's some flex there. Let me, um, we got a question that came in, uh, Michelle. For some reason, the platform's not telling me who it is, but I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, so somebody on LinkedIn, uh, might be your tricycle fan, Jerry, they're asking uh, what, what's the best way to maybe identify candidates for an apprenticeship? So taking into account if they may have a lower skill set or perhaps it's a, it's a longer commitment. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we actually have a battery of assessments that we put um, apprentices through uh, before they are sort of matched with a job. And we're looking at things like their interests and passions, um, kind of, you know, their logical reasoning and that sort of thing. Because what we found through this battery of assessments is that without knowing like the actual hard skills of the person, there are softer skills and there are more sort of innate things in a person that make them um, uh, increase the likelihood that they're going to be successful in certain kinds of roles. And so we try to make good matches based on that. Very interesting. Well, look, I, we're at, we're at, we're at time, but I got to ask you, Michelle, we ask all of our guests, at least the ones that we like uh, on the show, uh, if they were going to write a book uh, about this topic uh, and their, their viewpoint, what, what would the title of that book be? So Michelle, what, what would the title of your book be? Uh, it would probably be what our company's motto is, and our company's motto is potential over credential, right? So looking past like what's on paper of the people and looking more at what could this person potentially do moving forward. So that's what I would I do. Potential over I, I could think I could think of several organizations that would very likely steal that. You better you better get that. Yeah, out. that's <laughs> a, I would write that phrase immediately. That's a good. Right. Potential over credential. Uh, fantastic. Michelle, I got to ask you, who gets the first signed copy of your book? Not us. Absolutely. 
absolutely. Chris and Jerry, you all. Can't, can't give it to us. That's <laughs> uh, <it's> too easy. <laughs> um, I would say then that it would probably be our first apprentice that we ever placed. Um, a woman named Olika who graduated and was um, offered a full-time job with her employer uh, as an IT specialist, and she's knocking it out of the park. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Great stuff. Well, look, Michelle, uh, you get 10 seconds, plug something, tell folks where they can go to learn more about either Build Within or just more about apprenticeships if they need to check that out. Because I think it's a wave that's coming. And if, if, we, if we don't kind of sound the trumpet, I think a lot of folks are going to miss it this time around. Absolutely. Um, so you can get more information about us from www.buildwithin.com or you can email direct me directly at Michelle with two L's at buildwithin.com. Oh my gosh, that's favorite. All right, I'm just going to put you back in the green room for just two seconds. So don't go anywhere. Don't hang up on us. Uh, and super, super gratitude. Much, much, much gratitude uh, for you being on the show. We appreciate your time today. Super busy. Jerry, I want to give you a chance. Uh, we got a lot going on. We've got TA Talk Tank. We've got the history of recruiting. We got a new learning platform that's been launched. You pick what you want to tell everybody about before we say goodbye. Um, all of them are interesting. That I will say that the one thing that I think is really cool. Uh, Stop. That was Google. I'm trying to. Explain. Don't set mine off. Don't don't Anyhow. do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have to say um, the learning piece, especially the one that I just looked at, the pay transparency piece uh, mm -hmm. done by Compa uh, is really a masterwork for what we need to deal with in relation to that. And when I think about upskilling uh, recruiters, et cetera, to, to be able to, you know, focus on some of the things that enable them to do a great job. Um, that th those kinds of learning pieces, I think we have to see more and more of that until we see a body of knowledge around that. Uh, I would agree with that. So we've got two in there actually. So yep. the, the one we just did in partnership with, uh, Charlie, uh, Franklin over at Compa, fantastic. If I were still uh, a TA leader and had recruiters under me, I wouldn't let anybody make an offer until they had been through that coursework. But we've got another one on there, too, you were a part of. Yeah, the candidate experience issue, which I think uh, continues to resonate. I keep getting advertisements from people selling me stuff saying there's this trend that's been happening about candidate experience. You should get involved with this. And I'm going if only yeah. they knew. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> All right. If you're interested in checking that out, uh, you can do that at cxr.work slash learning. I will say the candidate experience one we launched, we've already had well over 200 people go through that uh, and complete that, the, get the certificate of training and completion there, those points and hours and creds. Uh, and the new one that has just gone live uh, for pay transparency as a recruiting advantage, hands down, probably um, one of the better uh, courses that I have seen online. So really, really fun. Hour and a half to take that again. I, it would be a required, it would be a required piece in, in, in my team if I still had a recruiting team. All right. Well, with that, we're just going to say goodnight, Gracie. So let's say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.